I want to read a text here out of Malachi. I'm going to end up here. We're going to walk through talking about the importance of generosity today. So we're going to end up here in Malachi 3, 8 through 10. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me, God declares. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? The people responded. You've cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me, God declared. You're under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there may be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. And I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Everybody shout, try it. He says, put me to the test. Lord, bless us as we think about the power of generosity. In Jesus' name we pray. Shout amen. Amen. Please be seated. I had a great Father's Day last weekend. Basically, I told my wife I didn't really need anything. Big deal. My bishop and pastor uh, preached and taught here, and that was really the great gift for me. And You guys were tremendously uh, so gracious uh, to him, and that was deeply touching. Nevertheless, by the time I got home, my wife and daughter had uh, cooked a beautiful meal for me. And they had um, um, blown up, inflated tons, all these different balloons and filled them with helium. They were up in the, uh, in the ceilings with the ribbons all hanging down. And my daughter had written Happy Father's Day on every one of them. And it was just so beautiful. And so we're sitting down eating and then my daughter says, I want to present you with a gift. And this is absolutely the best gift that I have ever received on Father's Day. She had been listening to me teach about life values, talking about our values as a family, as Hamilton values. And, uh, and uh, so she went to her graphic design class and she designed uh, a, a, a beautiful gift that reflects our family again. Throw it up here. Here it is right here. And put it in a plaque. Isn't this beautiful? My goodness. And uh, uh, Hamilton Family Values. And she put a scripture with each one all on her own. Uh, and then so, but our, our family values are love. You've heard us talk about it before if you've been here before. Humility, faithfulness, and of course, everybody shout generosity. Can you just give God a hand praise for my daughter? I want to just celebrate her today. She touched my heart. Touched my heart. And, you know, generosity has been an, uh, a long-standing value. Rhonda and I, uh, we are uh, August 2nd, so I'm only just a few months away. And uh, we will be celebrating 33 years of marriage, August 2nd. It's pretty incredible. Uh, now, by the way, this is where you're supposed to whisper to somebody, he doesn't look old enough to be married 33 years. <laughs> All right, all right, all right, all right. I digress. I'm sorry. Uh, so, uh, but uh, one of the ways that we've practiced generosity is we got married uh, last year in college. And so that summer, we committed to giving 10% uh, of whatever we had uh, financially back to the Lord, give it invested in the church. And um, uh, in other words, everybody shout tithing. Yeah, we took it very seriously. I, I want to point out it was a difficult, it wasn't easy. Uh, back in that day, uh, we were trying to work through grad school. Uh, we had low-paying jobs, lots of student loans. But yet we wanted to live out this uh, 
commitment. And uh, listen, we weren't poor back then. We were poor. Can you say poor? I mean, I mean, many a nights we had Top Ramen. Uh, uh, you know, anybody know about Top Ramen noodles and all that? All right. We learned a hundred different ways to work with Top Ramen. I'm telling you. <laughs> but we continue to be faithful with tithing. And God continued to bless us uh, through those years. That's just one example. Um, over the years, as we got into our own place, uh, after graduate school, we used our home to, to continue to, to, to be generous. We've uh, had people live with us bulk of our marriage lives, students going to school, uh, family and friends who are, were trying to save money to buy a home. Others were trying to get up and out of debt and get on their feet. And we just felt like if God blessed us, we should be a blessing in the world. I'm going to tell the person next to you, you should be a blessing in the world. Tell them. Right, I mean, that's, that's the ultimate teaching uh, of scripture. And, uh, and, and listen, uh, the basic point I want to make just as we share in terms of generosity about my own life is that I'm a witness that generosity positions you for generosity. You, you hear me? You may, in other words, scripture says, give and it shall be given back to you. This ought not be the reason why you are generous. You're generous out of a place of faithfulness. But I'm just telling you, you can't be generous without generosity coming back to you. And, uh, and, and we've witnessed it in incredible ways from, from my wife who graduated from medical school with $300,000 worth of loan and a hospital who had never paid anybody's loan said, if you work for us, we'll pay off all those loans. To a fellow who picked up the phone and called me and said, I know that uh, you're living in a, a, a violent situation. You're trying to move out because uh, we had a, a Jonathan was uh, uh, about 13 at that time, 14. And we found a house. He says, uh, is that the house you, you feel God has? Yes. He said, all right, I'm going to send you the money for the down payment. It was over $100,000. He transferred it from his account to our account. I didn't ask for it. Uh, and he just did it. Ultimately, we, we, we paid, it back, paid it back, but that was out of the generosity. Of, can you shout generosity matters? Positions you for generosity. Until, uh, recently, man, listen, just a few days ago, uh, the Warriors' second to last game, uh, I, get them, I, I, I get them confused because they lost both of them. But uh, <laughs> second to last game, uh, uh, we received a couple in this church, gave us tickets. We were, uh, what was it, four rows from the front to watch the Warriors. Now, I'm just telling you that if you live a life of generosity, you'll find that Scripture's true. Give and it shall be given back to you. Press down, shaking together and running over. Not just money. Give love. And it shall come back to you. Press down, shaking together, running over. Give mercy, and it'll come back to you. Press down, shaking together, and running over. Give grace, and it will come back to you. Press down, shaking together, and running over. All of those examples are expressions of generosity. Somebody shout, generosity matters. So let me give you a definition for generosity. It's simple. Here it is. Uh, I looked at it, I pulled it out of the dictionary on the web. Uh, it seems a bit redundant, but I, I pulled it for the first word in it. It says, it's the capacity to be kind and generous. Uh, uh, take the word generous and just substitute it with the word uh, giving, right? To be kind and to be givers. Everybody shout, givers. 
I like the word kind, though. If you're taking notes, you want to circle the word kind. You want to write the word kind down. And here's why. Because I have never uh, met a person who is generous and mean at the same time. Now, you might know somebody like that. I'm just telling you. I'm almost 55 years old. I've never met a person who's uniquely generous and uniquely mean. Because in order for you to be generous, everybody shout open hands, you got to have an open heart. You tend to be more loving and a blessing. So, uh, I like that word kind. Everybody shout kind. Generosity in terms of being kind. Now, let me just take an aside, and then I want to rush to get, get, uh, move through this, this teaching. There might be some of you here who remember that I shared with you several months ago how God blessed us. We've been looking for a building for five years. God raised up uh, an incredible friend of this church who I don't think has ever worshipped here. Uh, and he purchased a facility for us in San Jose, uh, California. And uh, first quarter next year, we'll talk more about this in the next couple of weeks. First quarter next year, we're going to launch our second campus uh, in San Jose. We're going to stay here, but we're going to launch a campus in San Jose. Can you just give God a hand praise? Every time I say this, it's amazing. All right, listen, check it out. Here's what he did. The building cost $5.7 million. He bought it, gave us a 10-year lease with an option to buy it for the same price in the first five years. So I suspect some people are wondering him, hmm, I wonder does this message on generosity have anything to do with the fact that we're going to be buying that building? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Because God has positioned us to have that building, to own that building. And when we we, uh, launch our campus there, we have full control of that facility. And we'll be able to raise up uh, uh, additional campuses because of the infrastructure of that facility all over the Bay Area and beyond replicate the kind of love and amazing grace that is as diverse and as incredible as you see right here and expand the kingdom of God. Can you celebrate that vision? I'm going to talk more about that in two weeks. So get back here in two weeks. So check it out. So a year from now, somebody shout a year from now, at least a year from now, somewhere around that time, I'm going to come back to you and say, we're going to launch a generosity campaign. We're going to ask everybody to lean in uh, and be uh, sacrificial even the more. And let's buy and pay that building off. That's what we want to do. But I'm not going to focus on that today. But absolutely, start praying about it now. Come on, somebody, come on, just say it with me. Say, let me start praying now. All right, all right, all right. Well, today, I want to just kind of uh, 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 talk a little bit about our posture when it comes to money. Because I know that a lot of people, churches and money, it just gets messed up in your mind. So we know that money is a barrier for a lot of folk when it comes to Jesus. So let me tell you two things that we've, we've done to remove that barrier. To show you how serious we are. So I want you to know that I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not trying to get your money. Um, God wants your money, but I'm not trying to get your money. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the first thing is five years ago when we, uh, uh, when we launched this ministry, I had the choice to make in partnership with my advisory board, et cetera, fell to me. Well, now we were going to pass the basket because, you know, in most churches you pass the basket. 
Uh, and the statistics said, and I knew this quite well, I haven't been a pastor for as long as I have, that when you pass a basket, you always raise more money because most people are going to give because the basket is passing by. And uh, the statistics told us that if you don't pass a basket, you're going to leave thousands of dollars that you could have collected over the course of the year in the pews. So we looked at that and been back and forth about it, and I just said ultimately, you know, we're going to trust God because I am more concerned about removing that barrier and getting you and others into a relationship with Jesus than I am about how much money we're going to collect during the course of the year. All right? That's a fact. So that's why we don't pass baskets here till this day. That's why we put the boxes back there. And if you want to give, you can. If you don't, then, then you don't. Nowadays, we have apps and all that other kind of stuff, all the different kind of ways, ways to give. Uh, because we don't want people to feel like they're pressed. Let me tell you the second thing that we do. It's part of our posture around trying to remove money as a barrier. You hear us say when we, uh, uh, every week, if you come, uh, when it comes to uh, offering time, we say we don't pass it basket, but giving is a part of our worship, blase, blase. But if you're a first or second time giving, don't feel obligated to give. If you want to give, you can. But we remove the pressure. And we say, as a matter of fact, we're going to give you a gift. We have gifts at our welcome table to give you. And when you get home, we send you an additional gift. Just shows how valuable your presence was to us. So long before we ask you to be generous as it relates to what God is doing through here, our goal is to be generous to you. That's our posture as it relates to money, trying to remove money as a barrier from you. Can somebody say amen? Amen. 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 All right. Uh, let me tell you about our practice. We have a, we have, if you go to our webpage, you'll see on our values are listed uh, under vision. Uh, and one of our values is this. We will be generous to others and to God because God has been so amazing. Can you say amazing? amazing. He's been so amazingly generous to us. So just for the record, just let you know, we try to live that out. Over the last five years, I checked with our people, our, uh, Pastor Tilda and our, our team, uh, and they have verified that over the last five years, we've given away $750,000 as a church community, both locally and across the world, over in, in uh, uh, Guatemala, et cetera, et cetera, $750,000. That's roughly $150,000 a year. And this past year, we made a commitment as a serious step of faith that, uh, that we're going to practice this principle of tithing. And so we said this year we're going to kick it to the next level. We're going to give and invest uh, a combination of over $300,000 this year to the local community and beyond. Why? Because generosity brings into focus the love of God. It just does. Right? The extravagant love of God. So, I tell you all that just to know that, you know, we, we're trying to work with this a little differently. Now, I know that some of y'all have, still have money issues with church. No worries. If you have trust issues with church, you don't have to give here. But don't you dare not give somewhere. Ask the person, did you, and next to you, say, did you hear him? Did you hear him? Did you hear him? Don't allow your church issues around giving stop you from giving. There's too many charities and too many other ways that you can become generous. Celebrate that. That's true. All right. Come on, shout. Generosity matters. Shout it. 
All right, let me, let me ask you, come on, can somebody say why? Oh, I'm so happy you asked, I couldn't wait. Number one, biblically speaking, generosity matters. Oh, let me, I, I want to make this, this point. Go, Galatians 6.2, look at, look at Galatians 6.2, throw it up there. Galatians 6.2, if you've got it, uh, Paul writes these words, powerful words. He says, he says, bear one another burdens and therefore fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ he's referring to? What the law of Christ is referring to is when Jesus declared uh, uh, that we should love the Lord, the greatest commandments of these. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. And what Paul says that one of the ways to live that out is that you bear one another's burden. That's an act. You share in each other's burden. It's an act. Can you say share? share? You share in each other's burden. He means spiritually. That's true. When you take time to pray somebody with somebody or pray for somebody, that's generosity in action. Share someone's burden. He means emotionally that's true. When you take time to lend a listen ear and, and, and cry with somebody and enter into somebody's grief, that's generosity in action. And it also means uh, that we, 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 we do it obviously financially. As, as well. Uh, I think Hebrews 13, 16. Throw it up there. Here's what Hebrews 13, 16 says. It's a powerful, powerful text uh, that, 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 that ultimately tells us that uh, they'll put it up there shortly somewhere. There it is. <laughs> that don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please who? God. All right. So, uh, why be generous? Let me give you a couple of lists. That was just some of the scriptural grounding I wanted you to have. Number one, it, it helps us to realize our best life. And it leads to transforming the world. What do you mean, Pastor? You say it helps, helps, helps me. Everybody shout me. No, point at yourself. Say me. Me. Yes, it's helped me to live my best life. What does that mean? Well, uh, Proverbs 22.9 says, this, it ultimately says that uh, blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. Or another way of saying it, those who feed the poor and are generous will be blessed. What does that mean? Well, there's a book that was written in 2014 called The Paradox of Giving, subtitled uh, Giving One Receives grasping one loses and these two ladies who wrote this book traveled the country did some research with Americans all over the place and here's what they discovered they discovered that folk who were in the category of being really happy shout really happy (laughs) tend to volunteer it's another expression of generosity serving volunteer 4.5 hours a month Folk who was in the category of being miserable, can you say miserable? That means unhappy all the time, most of the time. Volunteered about 0.6 times a month, basically, rarely. If you ever notice the, the, the distinction between the word miser and misery? <laughs> Same root. Here's something else they discovered. They discovered that people who give more than 10% of their income tend to have less depression at work in their lives than folk who don't. 
Here's a, here's a summary of what they basically wrote a whole book about. That people who practice generosity as a lifestyle, can you shout lifestyle? As a lifestyle tend to be uh, more healthy emotionally, more healthy physiologically because when you are generous and you see the impact of your generosity, the scientists have found out that it releases these uh, dopamines and these hormones, these feel-good, happy hormones, right? Can somebody say happy hormones? Yeah, hormones physiologically are released. And so, and so at the end of the day, you're more healthy emotionally, you're more healthy physically, you have the ability to be more resilient when the rug is pulled out from under you in life, and get this, you tend to live longer than those who are not generous. That's science. In other words, they just caught up with the proverb who said, God blesses those who are generous to the poor. So, it facilitates my best life. It facilitates your best life. Secondly, it makes love visible. Anybody can say, I love you, but show me something. Show me something. Show me something. We could have wrote letters to the, those young people, those hundred plus young people in Guatemala and said, here we are, church, who love you and we're praying for you. And we do love them. We are praying for them. But it meant a whole lot more when each of us, including my family, uh, 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 sponsored those kids and provided breakfast for them so they could have a healthy and wholesome meal at least one a day. It meant a whole lot more when in addition to that we would send, we have sent every year somewhere between ten, fifteen thousand dollars uh, or more to support the development of their school and their program and underwrite the teachers so they can do those mechanic classes. And so when that young lady Brenda writes back and says, you know, my daddy died and, and, my, and, my, and my brother died, but, but I'm so happy that I've come to know the love of God in Jesus Christ. Come on now. Uh, uh, that came about not because somebody said we love you, you know, from ten thousands of miles away, but because we showed it. So generosity is an attitude. Generosity is about your time. Generosity is about how you use your talent. Generosity is about how you utilize your resources as a lifestyle chores. Let me tell you a story. Jerry Rios is one of a, uh, we recently uh, buried him several weeks ago. He was a remarkable guy. And at his funeral, people just lined up to tell stories about him. Uh, some was his colleagues and friends from here who for two or three years served with Jerry and his entire family as they parked cars weekend after weekend after weekend for us. Generosity. Others, another person got up and his daughter got up and shared how, uh, and, and, and by the way, his colleagues, they talked about as he and his family parked cars, they did it with such joy. And then his daughter told a story about how they were driving down the road on a rainy day and somebody was on a bicycle. Jerry pulled over, took off his raincoat and gave it to the person on the bike. His daughter said, well, why did you do that? And with joy, Jerry said, he needed it more than I do. Wow. His next door neighbor came up and shared a story about how when Jerry would cut his yard, that when Jerry would finish cutting his yard without invitation, without request, Jerry would just go over and start cutting his next door neighbor's yard. Didn't ask for no money, didn't ask for, and that sparked a relationship between them that grew into an incredible, tender, loving relationship. And, and of course, the neighbor said, 
And he was always joy-filled. I, I wonder, do you catch the connection here? That there is a connection between generosity and joy. That, that, that those of us who live lives out of a place of generosity tend to be joy-filled people. Say it with me. Say, generosity facilitates joy. And it makes love visible. In all those examples, people knew they were being loved. And thirdly, as we think about it, uh, generosity uh, demonstrates, uh, or rather reveals, the growing heart of a disciple. I've said this before. Is if you want to know, am I growing in my relationship with Jesus? Am I spiritually growing? Can somebody say, what a great question. Yes, yeah. Now, it's, and I've said this before. Our paradigm here is very easy to figure it out. Everybody shout, trust. You just simply ask yourself the question, do I trust Jesus now more than I did a year ago, or two years ago, three years ago? Shout commitment. Yes, that's the question. Am I more committed to Jesus and the things of God than I was six months ago? It's as expressed because I'm, I've stopped doing some things that I was doing, or I've started doing some things that I said I would never do, and it comes out of a place of commitment. Hmm? Uh, and the third one is, uh, everybody shout, an expanding heart. Is my heart bigger now than it used to be? Am I more generous today than I was a year ago or 10 years ago? Is my heart more tender and more sensitive? You see, see, the call of discipleship is to have an expanding heart. This is why throughout the Bible, it starts in Genesis 12, God says to Abraham, I, have, I will bless you and you will be a blessing principle. When God blesses you, he intends for you to be a blessing, right? This is why Jesus said, I quoted a few moments ago, uh, uh, don't worry about, uh, 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 you know, tomorrow and next week, it'll take care of itself. Come on now. You, you, you focus, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and give, and it shall be giving back to you. This is why Paul says, God loves a cheerful giver. Because, because the role of a disciple growing, you can tell whether you're growing by whether you're becoming more generous. And even if you're not a Jesus follower, do you just want to be a better human being? Do you just want to be a better person? Do you want to have more fulfillment, more deeper sense of joy? Expand your generosity. Expand your generosity. And so, thirdly, fourthly, there's always a ripple effect to generosity. It ripples. Shout ripples. Ripples, it ripples, it ripples, it ripples. There's a lady by the name of uh, Betty in Michigan who reported to the news. She was a stay-at-home mom standing in line about to pay for her groceries. $249, I think they rung it up. She's getting ready to get a credit card. Another lady said, excuse me, ma'am. I'm going to pay for your groceries. Stuck her credit card in. Paid. Exited. Betty said she was so shocked. She doesn't even remember where she said thank you. But she went home and she got on Facebook and shared what happened. And then she started getting replies from her faithful friends said, you know what? We're going to do the same. See, generosity ripples. It's a ripple effect because God has shaped us for generosity. 
and let it taps in when we're, when we're called to a higher place. The other day I went to get my eyes checked and uh, went over to Boston Eye Center. I've got one poor vision in one eye and, and pretty good in the other eye. It's a whole story of miracles right there. Another message. Uh, and so I, I, I went and, and uh, I checked in. And I went and sat down. And then a lady came from behind. She comes here. She said, Pastor Herman, I just want to thank you. She says, my daughter loves your teaching. It's been so transformational. She says she drives from Wal- Walnut Creek to my house, parks the car, gets in the car with me. And almost every Sunday we come to church. I said, wow. I was moved. While she was talking, another lady came. Another person works there who also attends here. I says, Pastor Herman, I just want to thank you. Because last week I didn't preach uh, at 12 noon. I went and spoke to our high schoolers. And I just happened to tell the high schoolers that on Father's Day, uh, you know, sometimes fathers are absent from your life, not because they don't love you, but because they figure if they're close to you, they're going to mess you up. So the most loving thing they can do is stay out of your life. So go home and forgive your dad. And she said, her son came home. He didn't even want to come to church that day. And he heard that I was going to speak. So he went, he, he, he went, he, he said, I'm going to go here, Pastor Herman. And they had had a big fight about him calling his dad. And he says, my dad never, he just shows up maybe once a month, calls me like once a month, once every other month. I don't want to talk to dad. And she says, you got to forgive your dad. And she says, oh, I don't want to hear that stuff. But he was sitting there. And he heard that insight. And he went home. And she had tears in her eyes. He said he went home and he called and forgave his dad. Right? Now, now, I, I, I want you to, everybody shout, ripple effect. Uh, You know how that happened? You know why that happened? Because 44 years ago, a woman with a high school education named Ola Batcher Berry married to a Baptist preacher named Reverend Clarence Berry, who barely got out of third grade, opened up their hearts of generosity and took a little scarred kid and raised them as their own son. That was me. And because they were generous 44 years ago, those stories and others are happening today. Generosity ripples. Ripples and ripples and ripples and ripples and ripples. Generosity changes the world, makes it better. Quiet ways and powerful ways, it ripples. Lastly, generosity reflects the, the very heart of God. You only have to look at John 3, 16. For God demonstrates his love. Can you say love? Love for the world in that he gave, shall gave, his one and only son, Jesus. Let me give you an insight. A few years ago, there was a thing that was you know, a movement. I kind of crossed the church around prayer. A prayer that was pulled out of Second uh, uh, Chronicles called the Jabez Prayer. And the Jabez Prayer begins with this. Uh, it's a prayer that Jabez prayed. It says, Lord, bless me indeed. In other words, Lord, bless me abundantly. I have no problems with that. I think it's a great prayer to pray. You know, expand my territory. Keep my heart so forth and so on. It's a wonderful prayer. But I want you to think about this. Because in some way, all of us have prayed at some point, Lord, 
bless me. Do you know that when you ask God to bless you, what you're doing is asking God to be generous? You're asking God to be generous. A God who's already generous. Come on, if you woke up this morning, that's the generosity of God. If blood is running warm in your vein, that's the generosity of God. There's a roof over your head, that's the generosity of God. Food to eat, that's the generosity of God. And then on top of all of that, come on now, we need a spouse, we need a car, we need a job, we need elevation, we need this. And we go back to God and we say, we thank you for your generosity. Would you be even more generous? We lean into the heart of God. And God has said, I'm cool with that. But if you're going to ask me for my generosity, I bless you to be a blessing. Be generous. Replicate my heart. Replicate my character. In the world. Somebody go, wow. I never thought about I'm depending on God's generosity. And God says, yes. And I'm depending on your generosity. Did you know that forgiveness is an act of generosity? All right. Okay. Let me end it here. Let me end up in Malachi since I did read the text. Tell somebody, I was wondering when he's going to get there. <laughs> Let me give the context. The prophet starts really in chapter 1. He's really dealing with the nation of Israel because they've broken the covenant between them and God. And God is speaking to the prophet. And, and, and by the time, you know, basically he said, look, man, you just take me for granted. So even your, even your worship is sloppy. Rather than them bringing God the best animals for sacrifice, that they, they, they go find an animal with the broke leg, the diseased animal, and they bring that to God. Can somebody say, the worst of your leftovers? It's like, what, really? Really? So finally, by the time he gets to chapter 3, he said, look, you've been waiting, crawling. you want God to show up at the temple. He says, well, look, I'm going to show up at the temple. Listen, and really, he's talking about the Messiah figure in that context. He said, but when, 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 when I show up, I'm going to come as a refining fire, separating, come on, uh, the impurities uh, uh, from the metal of gold and silver. I, it, it's going to be hot, mother's judgment. I'm going to come like live soap, come on, scrubbing the, 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 the dirt away. Come on, in other words, it's judgment. But, but, but I'm not ready to judge you yet. I, I, I still want you to come back to me. And then the context, you see, for this bring your tithes. This is a way to talk about coming back, right? Because it's part of their covenant, the law. But the context really is in verse 5. Let's look at verse 5. This is an incredible insight. In verse 5, as he's talking to him, he's hidden, getting to the tithes. Here's what he says. This is, at, at that time, I'll put you on trial. Well, I'm adjudicating you. And I'm eager to witness against you. I'm going to be the witness against you. Because right? I've been watching you, people. And you've broken my law. I, mean, I told you to stay away from witchcraft. You, you sorcerers. I, I, I told you to stop cheating on your spouse and adulterers. I, I told you to be people of integrity and that you're nothing but liars. And, 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 and really, by the way, uh, uh, his judgment goes all the way to the Levites and the priests that's occupying the temple uh, because they were misusing the tithes that was coming, right? Uh, so let me just make this a side point, right? I get the fact that a lot of preachers have messed over people's money. I get that. 
God's going to judge them. Right? But I want to let you know that way more preachers have done right by people than those who have messed up. Right? And, 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 and let me just say this, because I just want to make you see we walk home with this. If this light bulb goes out up here, now mind all these other lights shining, this one go out. And you go out in the hallway, another one go out. Don't you not come to church next Sunday talking about the building is dark because two light bulbs going out. Don't you see all these other lights shining? Come on now. Change the light bulb, y'all, and keep worshiping God. I, dig- I digress, but back to the text. So God was judging the Levites and the priests along with the people, uh, 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 misusing his, his, his tithes. And then he gets to this point. Watch this. He says, and I will speak against you. Watch this. Here it is. Somebody shout justice. Why am I going to testify against you? Because I've been watching you. I'm going to testify against those who cheat employees of their wages. I'm going to testify against those who oppress widows and orphans. That's the poor, the marginalized. I'm going to testify against those who deprive the foreigners. That's immigrant, by the way. Living among you of justice. Come on now. For these people, he's talking about the broader nation, y'all don't even fear me no more. In other words, you don't think I'm going to hold you accountable. All right. Here's the point. Here's the point. Here's the point. Justice and generosity is connected. A generous community tends to be a just community. A, a, a marriage where there's mutual generosity. Come on now. Now, I didn't say a marriage where one person is really generous and the other person is really a receiver. Did I say that? I didn't say that, did I? No. I said mutual generosity, right? Tends to be a, a, a much more fair marriage, a much more just marriage, a much more healthy where people are dating and, and they're out doing Somebody asked, man, y'all been married for 33 years, almost you and your wife dating. She's been my wife for 33, my girlfriend for almost 34. So how did that happen? I said, oh man, lots of tears, lots of prayers, lots of I think I'm going to walk out today, you know, that kind of stuff for the first 10 years, 10, 12, 13 years, right? But we just, we, we kept, we had more faith in God than we had in each other. Did you hear that? Oh, you missed that. You missed that. Come on now. Because uh, uh, we knew he put it together. And so then, but at some point we stumbled over a principle. Let me just wor- stop worrying about how you treat me. Let me just spoil you. So I spoiled her. She spoiled me. And here we are. Come on now. Uh, 33 years. We're still trying to outdo one another. Who can spoil the other the worst? Mutual generosity leads to a more just relationship. Can you say it with me? Say, say, say justice is facilitated by generosity. Generous Wow. Oh, my. Can somebody say wow? My gosh, I didn't realize that. Didn't realize that, did you? All right. And then, come on, let me hurry and finish. I'm running out of time. All right. And then... The next context for this is, is that part of what the tithes were used for helped the Levites and priests, but the other part was to take care of the poor and the marginalized. 
So in Leviticus chapter 14, here's a great example. Uh, I'm talking about the context of tithing back then. It says, at the end of every third year, bring the entire tithe of that year harvest, store it in the nearest town. Give it to the Levites, watch what I just said, who receive no allotment of land among you, as well as to, watch this, here we go, the foreigners, immigrants living among you, and who else? The orphans, right? And who else? Uh, the widows, these are the poor and the needy and the marginalized people in the town, in your towns. So they can what? Eat and what? Be satisfied. Then the Lord your God will what? Bless you in all your work. So the tithe was the principle that God has set up was a provision for these people. Thirdly, can somebody say it was personal with God? No, no, you didn't say that. Say it was personal with God. He took it personal because the next verse, God basically said, man, you've been cheating me. When you break the covenant, you're breaking my heart about how you mistreat folk and all that kind of stuff. And then here, here, here is the next, next, next verse. Put it up. It says, so should the people cheat God? You cheated me. It's personal. You ask, what, how did, what do you mean? How do we cheat you, man? I don't know God. I didn't know I cheated you. You cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me. All right, here it is. Here's the insight. Tithes and offerings reveals. Here's the New Testament insight on that. Number one, God teaches us you cannot be accidentally generous. You don't like trip. Oh, I'm so generous. <laughs> it requires a plan. And so there was the tithe was to be given at a certain time on the calendar every year and, and, and every three years, etc. That, that, that was a plan. So I plan. And then there was a percentage. A tithe equals 10%. So he says, here's the designated percentage that I'm saying that you are, uh, uh, that, that, that I'm incorporating in the law. And then there was a progression. So progression. Notice, I didn't hear you. Progression. progression. Yes, yes, yes. Notice the tithe and the offerings. The offerings was you just give as much as you want beyond the tithe. So somebody asked me the other day, said, well, how do you apply the tithe today? Well, it's New Testament teachings. We're not under the law. So the moment you say tithe as legality, you've missed the point. But if God made it part of the law, he's saying, this is important. You ought to pay attention to it. And he's setting it up as a standard that, you, that I say that you ought to reach towards. But the three things you need is, one, a plan, two, a percentage. Maybe you can't start giving at 10%, so start with two. The average American gives 2%. Maybe you do better than the average American. Do three. But next year, go to five. Next year, go to eight. And next year, go to ten. When you get to ten, don't stop. Touch an offering. Me and my wife, we're plus. I know people sitting right here in our worship gathering who give 50% of their income away. Out of a place of faithfulness. Right? And you always give to God. Shout first. First. God. I said, seek ye first. The kingdom of heaven and its righteousness and all these other things will be added. So here's my summary. Generosity matters. Why? Number one, there's a straight line between generosity and joy. Number two, there's a straight line between generosity and justice. Three, there's a straight line between generosity and faithfulness. You want to become a better person? Want to get closer to God? Become more generous. Everybody say amen. amen. Good